that is the easiest way for me to find God and connect with God. Me too. I wish I could tell you that like, I am a fierce student of the word and man, I spend five hours every day praying and I like live in my closet and I'm like, turn the music up on the radio and just Mm -hmm. get buck wild. So me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you know that, um, that local artist, Scott Erickson? He's like a, um, um, a visual artist, but he's also like a, um, a spiritual director of sorts. And he has this little series he's been doing this week based on fear. Scott and his, his, um, his handle on Instagram is Scott the painter. Um, and his thing right now is with fear. And today he posted something about, um, like, you know, sing, sing to the Lord, sing a new song. And, um, yeah, I shared it cause I was, and I'm not like a uh, posty or sherry person, but it just spoke to me because I just, um, you know, talks about our fear of perfectionism mm-hmm. and how that can stifle us. And that's definitely been ooh, struggle in my life. Same. Yeah. I, I, so I really, I relate to that. I, I really struggle in the sense that I, um, I often wonder, okay, like why is my prayer with other people, which is usually usually incorporates praise and worship or incorporates music in some capacity, right? Mm-hmm. My prayer with other people, um, not only in terms of a feeling, right, but even intellectually is a lot deeper than when I pray by myself. I mean, yeah. it is like, like, and, you know, Nikki mm-hmm. knows, like for years and years and years, I kind of wrestled with like, what is wrong with me? And I had a spiritual director finally tell me, mm-hmm. like, instead of asking what's wrong with you, like, what if you asked, what, you know, or, or what if you just said, God, thank you for this gift of yeah. being able to pray with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like prayer is, prayer is tough in general, yeah. right? It's, and it's supposed to be, and that's okay. You find it easy. Like there's an avenue of prayer in your life where you find it easy to pray, like praise God for that. Yeah. You know? And, and, but I, you know, I think our human brain, at least my human brain likes to flip that around sure. and be like, Hey, there's something wrong with me when I'm sure. praying by myself. Well, I'm, yeah. in a, I'm in a charismatic environment in mm-hmm. our church where the more uh, dynamic your prayer, the more unintentionally, no one would say this is the goal, but the more dynamic, the bigger, the more passionate you get. It's like, oh man, that guy, that guy can pray. That lady can pray. And it's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, don't know I that mean, God, to an extent, yeah. I'm sure. Like there definitely have been Judging moments where brain. I'm like, I get done and I'm like out of breath. I'm like, God, I don't, I didn't know what I just said. That had to have been you. Mm-hmm. But I also can tell you there have been plenty of times where like, I'm like, oh, I got to think of something else really good to say because the pastor's listening and uh, I, you know what yeah, I mean? It's like, yeah. oh yeah. And cast out demons. Amen. All right. <laughs> like, James. How are you? I'm good. So uh, it's another exciting day on the Late to Church podcast. It is. We're back in the room full of crosses. Yeah. The library with no books. That's um, what this is? It's called the library. There's no books. Um, but it's uh, it feels cozy. It feels, yeah. it's, it feels like home again. It's it nice. does. Um, it's an exciting day. It is. I'm happy. I'm happy, happy, happy. Um, do, you, do you want to tell us why? I do because I, we have a special guest on our podcast today that I have, um, you know, since, uh, James and I, since we started on this endeavor, I've, um, you know, in praying 
what needs to be shared and what is this about type of thing. Um, I have had my heart has been inspired to ask this guest on because I just feel like the impact that he has made in our community in um, Hayes County has been huge, not just in, I mean, like in Hayes County, that's big. And then just specifically to my family, um, to my kids. So I have four kids that the oldest three have had the pleasure of being ministered to by Eric Palmer. And um, I just feel wowed by the Holy Spirit's presence in his life. You know, and like you just said a little something, something about um, not sure when your message reaches people and sometimes you're just doing things. And I just want to affirm that what you're doing is good and holy work and it's making an impact and impression on people beyond probably what you'll know in this lifetime. So I'll tell you, you're making an impact on my family and in my life, but I know that there's thousands more who you have touched to that I hope you get to hear from someday but well, until then it's just me well I, I appreciate that I am uh, I love I have a love-hate relationship with words of affirmation so <laughs> I uh, we all do I'm gonna it's always like Ugh, exactly I, I always feel like do. I have to say something back no you're great <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I again as I alluded to kind of before we got started I uh I need that more than I think I, I realize. And so anytime they come, I have to swallow my pride and just say, thank you. Those words, those words mean more than, you know, you, are very you have, you have sweet babies that I'm thankful I've gotten to That's spend so some time good. with. And James, it's, I'm excited to get to know you more through this process. Same. Like Podcast yeah. world. Good yeah, to meet absolutely. you all as well. Absolutely. So I'm excited to be here. I've been, I've been really looking forward to this ever since a couple of weeks ago, our yeah. conversation and excited to, to get in the weeds and encourage some people and help however I can, uh, fail forward, if you will. Oh my goodness. Learn from my mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I like it. So, so Nikki, uh, Nikki, like she said, she, she mentioned you a while back and, and we've kind of, uh, had a, a, a place for you or, a um, you know, we knew that that opportunity was there to kind of come in and, and talk about, uh, talk about your life, talk about your love for God and, and kind of share your story. Um, but every time that she talked about you, it was like, I kind of got this vision of like a, almost like a superhero youth minister, like this guy that would, that is really, that is really, um, (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit of a a superhero nerd. Uh, but, but someone who is really, um, I don't want to say like doing things right, because there's a lot of right ways to be a disciple. Right. But someone who is, is really striving in their faith, which is, uh, something that I think we don't always, um, we don't always give ourselves credit for is just the fact that we're putting ourselves out there every day, kind of in the name of God, putting ourselves out there to, to, to reach other people, to let them know, you know, that their love, that, that God is there for them, that God's there in their life. So thank you for not only being here, but thank you for doing that and for being that example. As Nikki said, it's a, it's affected her and her family. And, and, you know, through that, th- there've been days when we've talked about you and I've kind of been like, Okay, well, if that guy can do that, you know, I don't even know this guy, but if that guy can do that, I can kind of suck up whatever's going on, you know, here and, 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 you know, give it back to God. Right. So, so again, thank you for being here. I'm I'm really excited to just kind of talk to you about your ministry and your life and and your relationship with God. And, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun day. Yes. Bring it on. Cool. Let's go. Thank you for your words, James. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so Tell us about yourself. What, yeah. what, what, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, um, great that question. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah so as, as I was very lovely, a lovely way introduced, my name is Eric Palmer. I am, um, 
we'll say middle-aged at this point. <laughs> You're not middle-aged. Sure, sure. It makes me, it gives me credibility. You're I feel adult. like I am. So, well, <laughs> on paper, yeah. Um, I've got an amazing wife, Chelsea, who is a preschool teacher at a little church oh. in our community. She's at Hayes Hills. Hayes Hills. And yep. is killing it, loves it. She is the most passionate person about young minds that I know. And yeah. it's, I love nice. watching her thrive in that space. We've got two little boys, Asa and Seth. Um, not Asia uh, to the pediatrician that refuses <laughs> to get his name right. It's Asa. Uh, how many times have we been there, Doctor Ward, that we oh, can't gosh. say Asa? But that's okay. Doctor Ward listens to this. Podcast, oh, does he? So. Oh, man. <laughs> get with the times, Doctor Ward. So, no, uh, my my boys are awesome. I never thought we, as mentioned earlier, kind of off uh, off the mic, if you will. I never thought I'd have kids, and so having two little boys, a five year old and a one year old, the stink and the squish, we call them. Oh my gosh, that's uh, yeah, so adorable. They're, uh, they're, they're the best and those names are those nicknames are very appropriate for both of them so i uh my kind of nerdy way is i am an unapologetic uh professional wrestling fan okay so my sons are macho man and uh (laughs) and the hulkster nice so the mega powers if you'll date back to the 80s with me so Mm -hmm. i uh I, I, I love my kids, man. They're super fun. They're super sweet. They're both weird and quirky in all the most awesome ways. And uh, my favorite thing about Asa, if I may celebrate my, my oldest for just a moment, is he is on the spectrum. We're still actively learning really what that looks like. Right now, the manifestation is kind of more verbal delays, but um, something that, and the reason I say that is we had him tested probably two and a half years ago and they were kind of, that's where he was first given that brand, if Mm. you will, of autistic. Mm -hmm. And it hit me like deep to my core. Like immediately I go to a place of I've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. What did I do? And man, God is so faithful to have taken me on this journey for the last couple of years of learning more about him and the things that make him autistic Mm -hmm. on the spectrum Mm -hmm. are the most beautiful things about him. Like he is a, the most passionate individual ever. Like he loves what he loves unapologetically. And mm-hmm. I mean, it is on every article of clothing that he has on at that time, right? That's cool. It's Toy Story yeah. right now. And from head to toe, that kid is Toy Story, right? Every toy he plays with is Toy Story. Every story he tells is Toy Story. Every Everything about him. And that gets me excited as a man of faith mm-hmm. that, man, when the Lord gets a hold of his heart, man, like he is going to be so fierce. Mm -hmm. Whereas Seth, the one-year-old is stubborn (laughs) (laughs) already. I'm like, he's going to be a harder one to convince. But again, when I think when he locks in on it, as he grows, Mm -hmm. it'll be fun to watch. But, um, that's the current, if I may jump briefly into the kind of how I got here. Um, I was raised in the church. I've been in the church my entire life. My grandmother started taking me, literally took me from my mother at two years old and <laughs> brought me to a little Baptist church in Groves, Texas. Wow. First Baptist Groves. And um, I grew, I was there till I was 18 years old. I grew up there and had, my best friends were there. I was neck deep in church stuff all day, every day. Really? Um, I was, I mean, gosh, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, we were running around okay. the, running around the gym while the old folks were having the business meeting, voting on how we were going to spend this year's budget in the sanctuary. <laughs> right. Like I was at church every single moment and opportunity I had. And a lot of reason, the reason for that was, is just because home was kind of tumultuous. Home was kind of chaotic. My, uh, my dad was born with a really rare heart condition. I'm an only child born to two uh, 
party people, if you will, bowlers, even better at that. I literally <laughs> was like, bowl, bowling, bowling, like bowling, bowling, yes, bowling like, yes, okay. they met at Park Central Bowling in Port Arthur, Texas. My dad was the president of the league, Stop. a real stud, a real stud, and uh, found this hot little thing and Linda Joe O'Leary that he just couldn't keep Are his eyes really open. Are you talking yes. about your mom? Yeah, 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 sure, sure. So he, uh, <clears throat> they had both been uh, married a couple of times before they met one another. And so as they, uh, as they began to develop this relationship, my mom had tried to have kids and it just never worked out. Finally, here I come on the scene. I was raised in a bowling alley. My parents fiercely <laughs> loved one another. Long story short, my dad was born with this really rare heart condition. My dad was in and out of the hospital his entire life. I mean, doctors literally told my grandparents he wouldn't see his fourth birthday mm. to the point where my dad was 43 years old and he came home one night very, very ill. He had actually bowled two. It was a league night. He had bowled two perfect games back to back, which oh, is wow. unheard of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he comes back super duper sick. I'll spare the details simply to say what ended up happening was he had a massive heart attack and my dad right. passed away. Mm. Um, I was seven years old. He was 43. Mm. Right around the same time that that happens, we find out that my mom has ovarian cancer, which if you know anything about cancer, is a super aggressive form of cancer, right? So she gets into treatment, chemo, loses her hair, the whole get up. Um, about 18 months later, my mom is declared cancer free. She's in remission. Things are looking great and praise God. Right. My mm-hmm. mom beat cancer. Mm-hmm. I have to often remind myself when I think about the story, like, no man, like my mom beat cancer. God was so faithful mm-hmm. to my mom that not only did he soften her heart to receive him in her mid forties, right before, right around the time my dad passed, mm-hmm. but even greater than that, like, man, he, he didn't just heal her spiritually, he healed her physically as wow. well. Right. Like what, how good and faithful is our God? Um, she goes back for a checkup about it. You know, after she's gone into remission, you start to do these like a six month or so checkup. She goes in for a checkup and they don't like what they see. They take her and we're like, we're just going to, we're going to take it out. We're going to do a hysterectomy. We're going to remove everything. We're not going to fight this anymore. Right. So she goes in, they open her up and immediately sew her shut because the cancer had completely overtaken her body. And my uh-huh. mom, my mom never made it out of ICU. Wow. And so it was a couple wow. weeks later, my mom passed away in ICU. I'm uh-huh. nine years old. My mom's 45. And at that point, my grandparents adopted me, my dad's mom and dad. I never knew my mom's side of the family. So again, the woman that had taken me to church since I was two years old, the woman that had led my mother to Christ in her forties, like this woman who's the matriarch of our faith. I mean, the largest pillar of faith I've ever had in my family. Mm-hmm. Ironically, later in life became more of an obstacle than, <laughs> than a catalyst. I love you, mama. But uh, <laughs> she, she played such a critical role in my life. So nine years old, I move into a home of people who raised baby boomers and I'm what we didn't have the word for millennial at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm being raised in this home. And it was, it was interesting. It was, there was a lot, a lot going on, but man, if there was anything that was clear, they loved me. They were crazy about me. So flash forward several years, I'm in middle school, seventh grade, excuse me, let me one more year, one year back, sixth grade. And I know I'm, I'm sharing a lot of detail, but it, it forms a lot of, it forms everything about who I am today. Sixth grade, my grandfather, I come home from a birthday party one night and my grandfather's standing in the back door. He can't catch his breath. Like cannot for the life of him catch his breath. So we take him to the hospital. They diagnose him with some super random, you only catch through like bird feces, like weird lung issue. They take him in, they perform a little bit of an operation on the back, kind of the backside of his rib cage to get some fluid out of his lungs or something. Anyway, for the next year, every night I would rub icy hot on that spot on his back. And the doctors just kept saying it's nerve damage, it's nerve damage, it's nerve damage. Well, after a year of the pain ever growing, he goes in for a second opinion. 
and they find a massive tumor in his lungs that somehow wow. they had missed wow. before. And it was within three or four months my grandfather passed away. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. So lose dad number one when I'm seven, mom number one when I'm nine, dad number two when I'm 13. I'm in the seventh grade. Wow. And then it was me and Mama through the uh, the bulk of middle school and high school, all of really middle school and high school. And uh, man, I gave her a run for her money. She <laughs> she did awesome. My grandmother is also from Louisiana. She's from kind of the Rain Lafayette area. Okay. So a little bit further Cajun west. Lady. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, that's about the only thing she could cook was gumbo. It was <laughs> Ooh, that's awesome. Good. She that's made not good a gumbo. I do miss it. Yeah. Um, I thankfully I have found myself in a community of of Cajun friends right now, so I there still get some good gumbo Excellent. from time to time. So anytime you're interested. You got it. You let me know. But, I will. <laughs> um, so finished middle school and high school with my grandmother. The reason I bring up kind of being around church my entire life up to that point was by God's grace. Like I was surrounded by people through the lowest moments anybody can mm-hmm. go through. Losing a parent really in a lot of ways three times. Yeah. Losing parent parental figures. Um, I vividly remember there was this woman. She was my grandmother's Sunday school teacher. Her name was Billy Smith. So Billy Smith would call our house to talk to my grandmother. Sometimes she would call and she would just ask for me. I'd see her at the grocery store. I'd see her at church on Wednesday nights, on Sunday mornings. Every single time I ever had a conversation with this woman, which would have been several times every week, she would tell me, Eric, you're special. Hmm. God's got a plan for you. Mm -hmm. I know it doesn't look like it, but he loves you. And he's going to, he's going to, he's going to make good out of your life. Like it was always these affirming words, these encouragements. And man, I'm, I'm crazy enough to think if you hear something enough, mm-hmm. true or not, if you hear you something enough, it. you start to believe yeah. it. Right. I lied about how I broke my two front teeth when I was 13. <laughs> Couldn't tell you the truth. I lied enough about it. I don't remember what really happened. I only remember. And my point uh, is, is yeah. you hear it enough. You start to believe it. And man. Mm-hmm. I lose my dad and I, I really do believe God's got this. Like God's got me. Now, do I miss my dad? Absolutely. But I do believe that God has a plan for this and mm-hmm. God's going to make good out of this. I lose my mom and that was the hardest probably of the bunch. Just I'm a mama's boy. Yeah. I love my mom. I miss my mom every day. Um, but God has been faithful and God provide. God gave me another shot at having a mom. God surrounded me by godly men and women through the form of my best friend's family, who was our lead pastor and his wife. I mean, I literally went on family vacations with them. And my other two, there were kind of four of us, um, Eric, Kyle, Christy, and Lana. Lana's grandmother being Billy, the one who had said all these things to me. Like there was this tight little knit group of people who just loved me really, really hard. And it is only God's grace that I had that, right? The, the foundational pieces of my faith were built by Really not even understanding or knowing God's word, but through seeing people and mm-hmm. Jesus in the form of people. So flash forward, I graduate high school. I sit my family down and I'm like, I'm going to go to Dallas Baptist University. I want to be a preacher. This is, man, you've all, you're the people who have brought me to church my entire life. This is going to be music to your ears. And I am met with, you're not going to waste our money and you're not going to waste your education. It's not oh. going to happen. Wow. And so I respond the only logical way possible <laughs> with, well, all of you are longhorns. So... Um, you can stick it. I'm going to go to A&M, right? So that was my response. I went to A&M after I graduated high school and I drank every single drop of the Kool-Aid. I, I got indoctrinated very quickly. Um, spent three semesters there. High school was super easy for me. Young people listening, take it seriously. Right. High school was very easy for me. So when college wasn't, I am 10 out of 10 a flight. Uh, if, if the options are fight or flight, I fly. You're I'm an out. Honor. I am yeah. paralysis by analysis. I'm out. Like I can't, I shut down when I get overwhelmed. I don't know how to handle it. Still to this day, I struggle with this. 
So three semesters in, I get a letter from AM. Hey, since you don't go to class and you have <laughs> failed everything because you don't go to class, you can't be here anymore. So I come up with this beautiful plan. My family doesn't know anything. I'm the one who's been getting all the conf- the, the communication. I'm going to trans. I'm going to go to Blinn right near kind of College Station and Bryan. I'm going to work my way back in. Everything will be fine. And I hear on my on my front door. I mean, it's like mid December 2007. I get a knock on my door and I open the door and it's my dad's middle brother. Oh gosh. And he goes, "We know everything. We've known oh, everything the whole time. <laughs> Pack your stuff. Get in the truck. You're coming home." And I packed my stuff and went home end of December, 2007. I get home and immediately the first thing I notice is my grandmother's not okay. Oh. She was, my grandmother never went to the doctor. We get into January, 2008. Mama says, baby, I'm going to, I don't feel real good. I'm going to go to the doctor. We find out in January of, of 2008 that she's got four massive tumors in her chest, one on one of her lungs, a lesion from her ribs to her other lung, one on one of her kidneys and one on her liver. End of February 2008, my grandmother's gone, mm-hmm. and I went, I'm out. Fight or flight, I'm flying, I'm mm-hmm. out. God, you've been good to some people. Clearly, I'm not one of the people you're interested in caring mm-hmm. for. All you are is a bully with a magnifying glass sitting over mm-hmm. an anthill picking people off that I love. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. And so I went the farthest direction I could possibly go from God, turned to drugs, to sex, to alcohol I mean I mean I'll, I I worked at a restaurant and we would we would close down early and we would drive to the Cheddar's across the street because they were open an hour later and I would get just trashed at Cheddar's we'd hop in the truck smoke a bunch of weed on the way to another bar drink more there go hook up with somebody you know that is typically a stranger or maybe a, a distant friend I'd find myself I mean literally like night after night after night of me walking like me getting home after I'm embarrassed to admit, driving home under many different influences. I get home and I'm looking in the mirror, barely able to hold myself up, fully aware that I don't even recognize the guy that I'm looking at. This has never been me. Who is this guy? And I stand there hating myself, miserable both inside and outside. And all of a sudden I get a phone call one day and I'll, I'll kind of wrap the big story up here because it, it exponentially transitions after this. <laughs> I get a phone call from a friend who I had betrayed significantly when we were in College Station. Calls me, goes, hey man, we've got this. We, I work for a summer camp. We are desperate for guy counselors. Is there any shot you have time this summer? It's May. I mean, camp starts in week in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, man, let me, let me think about it. Give me the guy's number. I'll interview. We'll kind of see where it goes. And I, I can't, I am not living for the Lord in any way, shape or form. I get on the phone with a man named Chandler Pruitt, who 1000% changed the trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. God's grace through Chandler Pruitt changed and a hundred percent has influenced the man that's sitting across the table from you right now. Chandler, I'm, I'm hung over. Chandler's asking me my story. I give him much of the story I've given you guys. He hires me on the spot. Mm. Never met this man before in my life. He does not know me from Adam, just based on the story he hears. And I've learned since the philosophy of the camp that I worked at was, man, there are people that need camp and there are people that camp needs. I was a person that needed camp and man, radically changed my life. Completely reinvigorated my love for the Lord, completely invigorated my love for people, completely reinvigorated my love for ministry. 
I, I go back to, I ended up moving. I was going to stay home. I was being trained to be a kitchen manager at a Papado's in Beaumont, Texas. I ended up moving back to College Station, forsaking a great gig, making really good money to go work at a children's museum in Bryan, Texas, where I was the only dude. And I was literally <laughs> scrubbing like human doo-doo off the toilet Ew. seats. And it was awful. It was an awful job. Cool people, sweet people, terrible job. Um, and so I, I do that for a while and, and just stay connected to this community of faith. Flash forward four years I'm being groomed to be a director at this camp. I've met my wife there. I've married wow. my wife there. We, we literally got married in the camp we met at. Um, we had a camp dance party the for our reception. It was the most amazing thing. I've got two little boys through this amazing woman. I got started working for a local frozen yogurt chain that ended up growing significantly, moved us to Austin. I took over as the general manager, oversaw 10 stores in Texas, South Carolina, and Kansas. I'll flash forward to kind of 20 to end of 2012, beginning of 2013, excuse me, end of 2013, going into 2014, we get plugged into a local church, Bannockburn Baptist church in Austin. Um, God re kind of reinvigorates my love for the local church. We end up because of some, just some internal kind of, my wife is not Baptist. <laughs> and so we ended up at another church in town called real life. And man, I heard the gospel presented in a way I'd never heard it before. This idea of a rescue mission that every single day, Proverbs 24, 11 says that they're staggering to their death. That every day people are dying and going to hell. And we've got a responsibility as believing people to play a part in rescuing them. And I was like, whatever it takes, Lord. So I took a plus 50% uh, shot to my salary, quit my job running this chain of frozen yogurt stores, was offered a significant raise to stay and to move back to College Station, which we love College Station. Um, turned all that down because we felt like God was calling us to full-time ministry, took a significant pay decrease and that's how I meet Nikki and I get plugged into Podunk, Buda, Texas, Buda, Buda, Texas. Yeah. And man, the, the rest has kind of been history. I have fallen in love with the community that I live in. My, the greatest compliment anybody could ever give me is asking me, what year did I graduate from Hayes High School? Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm not from Buda, yeah. but that people, cool. people that really would cool. see yeah. us yeah. that ingrained That's in that your... community that they would, they would wonder like, yeah. Wait, man, I, I don't. I swear we're about the same age. Like, did we graduate together? It's like, oh, man, no, I, I'm not from here. But we've lived in Buda now for eight years, almost nine years. I mean, it's been it's been a it's been an awesome it's been an awesome ride. Like, I love our little community. I'm now mm -hmm. a part of a church in Kyle, um, but do a lot of the bulk of our ministry. Ironically, is still really in Buda. We're seeing a lot of growth kind of coming from Kyle. But mm -hmm. my, my, I live in Buda. I'm really involved with the local high school. Do some really cool stuff there, and so. That's the, the long, uh, still pretty abridged version of the story, but um, all of where I came from has shaped who I am. And man, one of the most significant verses in all the scriptures to me is John 16, 33. Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. And that idea that, man, Jesus overcame the same grief that I had overcome, well, that the Lord brought mm -hmm. me through, I right. should say. He overcame betrayals, just like I had felt like I faced. He, he overcame his own you know, what, what seemed, I think of, um, is it Luke 22, Lord, take this cup from me. Mm. If there's any other way, God, please let it be that like that he would overcome his own kind of fears almost. And like, I, I, I he's so, that idea of him being a hundred percent man, a hundred percent God has always been fascinating to me that he would wrestle with the same exact emotions that I wrestle with, mm -hmm. but they never got the best of him. Like they do mm -hmm. get the best yeah. of me. Mm -hmm. So like being able to read John 16, and understand that, man, when he says that he's, 
he, he has literally walked the steps that I've walked mm-hmm. in a different way, in a different time, but has dealt with all of the same things that I've dealt with and that he overcame it. It's like, man, it would be foolish of me not to follow in those footsteps mm-hmm. because I too struggle with all those same things. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a scared little boy. Right. I told you, Nikki, yeah. if I don't tell my story, which forgive me for taking so much of yeah, our time doing that, but if I don't tell my story, it stays sad. Mm-hmm. I stay a right. sad little boy mm-hmm. who misses his mom and dad, whose sons will never know mm-hmm. how funny my dad was, how sweet my mom was. My wife will never argue with her in-laws. You know, like mm-hmm. we miss out on some, <laughs> some amazingly awesome things. But man, I have the benefit of 25 years of living life without my mom and my dad. And now mm-hmm. well over 12, 13 years, not having my grandmother and my grandfather, like, man, like, think you got time. Time might actually heal wounds. Mm -hmm. God heals wounds. Mm -hmm. And one of his methods of doing that is the the gift of time, Mm -hmm. the gift of process, I guess. And so I am the sum of all of those parts, but most importantly, I am a, I'm a son of a King. And I have to remind myself of that, of that every day, because I, when I look in the mirror, I still see that wasted, scared little boy, that Mm. 20 year old little boy who was an orphan, just wanted somebody to want him and felt like nobody did until God met me in the form Mm. of Chandler Pruitt Mm -hmm. and Spencer Harris and Chelsea Jensen and Carson Coulter and Kyle Blankenship and Cody Bain and all these men and women that have surrounded me over the last 15 years of my life and loved me unconditionally, which Mm -hmm. you speak very highly of me, but I am uh, quite the difficult individual. (laughs) That fiery redheaded one year old that I have is a hundred percent his 30 four-year-old father stubborn (laughs) and difficult but you know we're all works in progress we are so so i'm i'm like fascinated by your story and thank you for being so so vulnerable with us and 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 sharing with us um you you know one of the things that we talk about i feel like i say this every week uh, or or every episode you know we like to talk about encounter because we really are uh, seeking to uh, engage an audience where, where maybe they haven't felt that encounter moment sure. with Christ in their life, or maybe that maybe that moment has passed them by, or maybe they have felt it, but they don't really know what to do with it, sure. right? Like they just, they you know, for, for some it. reason, there's yeah. some kind of disconnect there. And um, so you, you have, uh, there's something really remarkable in your story that, uh, you know, you, you, t- you talk about, um, you know, Christ you know, living, living this life and his, his dual nature as, as, as man and God, right. And him living this life and having, having to deal with the, the imperfections of the world, right. The imperfect realities of being a human being. He's, he's betrayed, he's hurt. He's, he's frustrated at times. Like there are things that happen to him, right. And it's how he responds. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how we know that guy's different, right. Mm -hmm. That, that's the guy that I want to follow because he's, he's not letting his emotions get the best of him. He's not, um, He's not turning away from God yeah. in these moments. He's he. In fact, it's it's quite the opposite, right? And so, um, there is something really beautiful in your story, in that I see. Uh, you know, you, you talk about that process of time. It seems like that process of time for you uh, was really kind of what you needed to transform your actions into what Christ would do, right? So maybe your initial reaction to something, right? Your initial reaction to someone passing away. Your initial reaction to um, you know, something not going your way, feeling like, you know, feeling like God had let you down. Um, God gives you this time, right? He gives you this time and these different experiences to take that frustration, to take that pain, to take that grief, whatever it might be, and to direct that energy back towards a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. What, was there ever like a, like a, like a watershed moment for you where you just kind of said, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to intentionally do this. Or, or was it more, you know, 
little bits here and there? Yeah. Was it a combination? So I'm going to, this is the worst answer possible. I'm going to give you a both and. Okay. Um, I, it used to drive me crazy that I've been, again, I've been in church a long time. I've been around Christian-y people for a long time. And it feels like in so many different stories and scenarios, those individuals have this benchmark moment of like mm-hmm. this radical transformation that, mm-hmm. that happened. Man, God revealed himself to me. I heard the gospel presented in this way. I was at a camp or I, God met me on the side of the road. I've got a friend who does a ministry with Muslim people where they begin to share the gospel with people. And, and, and what they're finding is people go, oh my gosh, I've seen that guy. Mm-hmm. And they begin, their, their ministry is literally called the man in white. Mm-hmm. And they start, they minister to Muslim people and they're like, that, that guy has shown up in my dreams. And they start describing what every, I mean, oh, he's wow. people all over the world hmm. that describe the same man in white that showed up to them in a dream. Like it used to drive me nuts that I don't have this benchmark watershed moment Mm -hmm. while I think there have been several significant moments. I think about Romans 12, um, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Like that transformation process takes a while, right? Mm -hmm. Can God snap his fingers Thanos style from Mm -hmm. a Marvel friend at the table (laughs) and change things in an instant? Absolutely he can. And he does that for so many people. God also knows me. Mm-hmm. He knows how I'm wired. He know, mm-hmm. He made me. He's mm-hmm. the one who knit me together. It only makes sense that God would have to take me through this process yep. of revealing himself to me in, in pieces and chunks. Because again, paralysis by analysis, I get overwhelmed when I get too much thrown mm-hmm. at me at one time. Had God revealed himself to me in a moment, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm Elisha. I don't need the earthquake. Mm-hmm. I don't need the fire. I don't need, the, I need the whisper. Oh, sure. And I need another whisper and I need another whisper. So there has been this lifelong journey of God slowly revealing more of himself to me. And I've, I've grown to, man, that's a good thing. Like, thank you, God, that you know me well enough. And you've, you intentionally wired me this way Mm -hmm. that had that one isolated moment happen. I don't, I don't know that it would have woken me up in the way that 34 years of slowly being introduced to the things of God in some cases, drinking from a fire hose, but more often than not, you know, the water fountain kind of just piece by piece. That being said, so I go to, I go to the, the camp I work for is Laity Lodge Youth Camp. It's owned by the HEB Foundation. I think I've heard of that. I love that place, man. It's significant impact on my life. Um, So I remember the, the summer that I, my, after my first summer, uh, summer 2008, I left and I opened up my Bible trying to like, kind of, you know, working with youth. It's like, don't, don't let the camp high go away. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, so trying absolutely. to live that out, I've been telling kids that for 10 weeks this summer to try to live that out myself. I'm like, all right, I'm going to bite off something I can chew. The book of James, mm-hmm. shout out James is a, <laughs> is a, a short dynamic book, right? Like, let me, let me just start there chew my way through it, take my time. And I read the first four verses and I shut my Bible. I don't know that I've ever been more mad at anyone in that moment than I've been mad at God because James one, two, and three, one, two, three, and four says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy, my brothers, that you meet trials of various kinds. Like, there's that bully on the end. Are you mocking again. me? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. so hold on a minute, God. The, the honest question at the moment is, so do I thank you for taking my parents? Right. Do mm-hmm. I thank you for taking mm-hmm. my grandparents? Because that's kind of what that sounds like. Sure. Count it all joy that you meet trials of various kinds. It's like, I mean, God, that sounds a little bit like I'm in an abusive relationship. 
yeah. where I'm supposed to be happy. Uh, about I'm, I'm doing this cause I love you, right? Like, I don't mean to trigger anybody, but like, yeah. that's what it felt like in the moment. Mm-hmm. And only by, I spent two years of my life to give you my, my benchmark or my watershed moment was about a two year window of every time I opened my Bible. That's the only place I could turn to like, hmm. as if there were by a choice or your book just opened I, that's there. That's just where I landed every single time. Right. Like sometimes by choice, oftentimes by seeming force mm-hmm. as if there, as if the pa- was- other pages in the Bible had been glued to one another Mm -hmm. and there was only one destination for me. And the reason is I never stopped and paid attention to what verse four says. Two and three, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness run, have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It was never about God bullying me or taking things away from me. It was, Eric, you are in a sinful, broken world where cancer exists, where bad hearts exist, where betrayal exists, where loneliness exists, where depression exists, where drugs and alcohol exist. But my goal was never for that to be what defines you, but instead consecrate yourself to me, the churchy word, consecrate yourself, dedicate yourself to me, concrete your feet in me and I'll make you perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Like that, the joy is not in my struggle. The joy is not in my trial. The joy is in the, the, the sovereignty and the goodness and the faithfulness of God that time and time and time again, when trials come up and they inevitably will, Mm He will always be there to heal and comfort and protect and provide and, and love and show grace and guide and baby me through Mm -hmm. those processes and big brother me through those processes Mm -hmm. and dad me through those processes because in various seasons I need kind of each relationship. Absolutely. Right. And so it was that, that would be the, the, the shortest of the longs process Mm -hmm. of like when I really under God revealing himself to me in just my own private moments with him and other various relationships with people. But I vividly remember like, wait, 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 what does it say? Mm. I'll be perfect and complete lacking it. All I've ever felt like I do is lack. Mm -hmm. I still to this day, like I am People that know me and love me would probably not know this other than the fact that I talk about it often because that's my defense mechanism. If I talk about it, I don't really have to deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If I, oh man, sure. I'm super insecure. If I say <laughs> it, people are like, oh, he must be getting better. And then I don't actually have to own it. I am easily the most insecure person that has sat in this room. I am laughing because I see myself. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm like, <laughs> Absolutely. I, have, yeah. I have nothing to offer yeah. the world. I am tr- truthfully, my thoughts tell me I'm a lousy dad, a lousy husband, an awful pastor, a terrible communicator, a, 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 a unloyal friend. Like I am the worst and not in the way that Paul says I'm the chief of sinners, which is humility. I say it from a place of, I really, what God has taught me through counselors and a really good friend, Paul Pope, it's pride. Mm-hmm. It's, I want to be the best. Mm-hmm. I want to be the boss. I want to be the Lord of my life. Mm-hmm. And when I fail to meet that lofty expectation, which of course I would never be able to meet that lofty expectation, it manifests itself in a false sense of humility called insecurity, Eesh. which is an yeah. ug- the ugly stepsister of pride, mm-hmm. <laughs> the redheaded yeah. stepchild of pride. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm grateful for the Holy spirit revealing that to me again, through the various mouths of people and books and, 
uh, if I can, I recommend a book. Absolutely. So there's a a book called, um, when people are big and God is small, I forget the author. It's, it's, I could pull it up real quick, but, um, when people are big and God is small, I, I, I don't think I've ever read past chapter two. Um, because chapter one and chapter two have had such a significant impact wow. on me. And it's all that idea of my insecurities that I falsely call humility mm. is pride. That is by Edward T. Welch. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. That's Edward right. T. Welch. Edward but T. Welch. it's an incredible book, an incredible resource recommended to me by a friend and counselor of mine, Paul Pope, over at the Timothy Center, a local Austin resource. And Man, it, it, it has shaped a lot of the way. I remember he sat me down one day and he was like, what is, what's up with you? Like, you're not yourself. What's going on? I had, I literally that morning, I'm notorious at like once a month, I'll forget my keys and I'll walk out and lock the door. <laughs> and I remember like we had just had Asa and I walked out, locked the door behind me. My wife is, I love you, Chelsea, not a morning person. She would, <laughs> she would own that. Mm-hmm. I walk out the door and I'm like, do I call my wife and wake her up? Oh, I literally gosh. Ubered to work. No, you didn't. <laughs> oh, that's and my friends were like, are you scared of your wife? I'm like, I, I feel like it's a reverent fear. Yeah, right? I love it's her like, yeah, and like, I don't yeah, want her. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the baby just kind of went back to sleep. Ooh, so like, I'm not about to interrupt. Stuff. Exactly. But I walk into the office one day and Paul asks, he's like, what's up with you? And I was like, dude, I am the most forgetful person in the face of the planet. And he pulls out a notepad. He's like, interesting. He's like, what else? What else do you believe about yourself? And I just start spouting stuff off and he starts writing stuff down. And he's like, okay, let's, let's go back. Let's start at the beginning. So you said you're forgetful. He's like, yeah. Interesting. What does forgetful mean? I'm full of forget. He says, man, that's funny. Everything, you forget everything. You remembered to come here today. And it was like that simple of a revelation mm-hmm. that was so significant to me. Like, you're right. He needed to remind you of the truth. You're right. Yeah. I am yeah. not, I am not the sum of my parts. Mm-hmm. I am so much more than that by God's grace mm-hmm. and the provision that he's given me. It's like, I'm not forgetful. Mm-hmm. I have moments where I forget, but I am not full of forget. I'm not only capable right. of forgetting. I'm not only capable of these lies that I believe, but man, God's word says I'm more than a conqueror. God's making me complete, lacking in nothing. Am I there yet? Absolutely not. Will I ever get there? Not till heaven, not till that glorification process happens. Mm. But in the meantime, God, help me see you. Yeah. I got sidetracked here for a minute, but Lord, help me see, help me see you purifying me, sanctifying me, making me more and more like, like my prince, my, my, my King Jesus. Help me, help me look a little bit more like him today. That Romans 12 transformation process, the new living translation says to change the way you think about things. Mm. And what a revelation, Mm -hmm. like how are we transformed? We're transformed by changing the renewal of our minds is I'm reading out of the English standard version, but I love that the way the NLT kind of simplifies that thought of just change the way you think about it, Mm -hmm. change the way you think about yourself, change the way you think about the world around you, change the way you think about your circumstances Mm -hmm. or the obstacles that have come in your life. It's such a preachy phrase, but what if obstacles were opportunities? Yeah. It is. It sounds a little, yeah, like my mom, you know, (laughs) she she would say things like that and I would be upset, but it really does matter the perspective, you know, to put on kind of a holy lens or a lens that allows you to see um, how God sees you. That's important. Thank God for holy people in your life who can shed, um, shed light on the truth that you know is there, Mm -hmm. but in your humanity, you know, it gets cloggy and fuzzy and you forget. Well, and you know, this as a parent and and James as a minister to people, right? Like 
I oftentimes am telling people the things that I need to hear the most. Oh. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Like time. I'm, I'm challenging young men to Absolutely. protect their purity. I'm challenging young women to, to not compare themselves to other people and various other expressions of that. I'm, I'm telling my sons like, buddy, we don't talk to mom like that. And it makes me go, Eric, how do you talk to your wife? Mm-hmm. What are you modeling? Not that I'm a jerk cussing at my wife every <laughs> night, but like, Am I honoring her with how right. I speak, especially in front of my sons? Mm-hmm. I want my sons to love Jesus. Have my sons ever seen me pray? I mean, they're young. I'm fortunate right. that I don't think I've messed them up yet. Like, I've got some time to polish those edges. I know, but also not a lot of time being <laughs> yeah. right? on the opposite yeah, ends yeah, of parenthood yeah. over here. So it's, we have to, it, it, oftentimes that's where God reveals the most to me as mm-hmm. I, I begin to prep a message. Last night we talked about faithfulness with our students and it was like, Eric, when's the last time you thanked God for all the ways he's been faithful mm-hmm. in your life? You know, it's like, God, thank you. Thank you, God, for the Billy Smiths of the world, for mm-hmm. the Kyle, the Kyles and the Lannas and the Christies that still to this day, I have given nothing but a reason, excuse after excuse after excuse to hate my guts because I hated myself and I pushed people away. If I can, if I can remove myself from the relationship, you can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Right. You're in but control, if I man. wait around long enough and you find yeah. out who I really am. Where you're going to hurt me because you're going to you're going to leave just like everybody else mm-hmm. did. My mom and dad didn't choose to walk away, but right. they left, mm-hmm. and that's what my that's what my flesh sees is mm-hmm. they're not here. Yeah. Had I maybe, man, I should have pulled the cigarettes out of their hands. I should have I should have you know I should have fought harder. Even as a kid, like those are the lies that the enemy wow. wants to mm-hmm. wants to whisper to you. And it's like, man, like God, you have been so good and faithful to me. Mm-hmm. That had those things not happened, would I have ever met my wife? Would we have ever had yeah. our boys? Would I have ever found myself in Buda, Texas, which I could see being our home. I could see having grandkids in this community. Like, I love this place. As messy as it is, as confused a community as it is, we don't know what sort of hills we want to die on. We want to die on all of them for some yeah. reason. And But, but man. It's a good place. It is a sweet place. And praise God that yeah. part of the process of making me complete lacking in nothing has been painful Mm -hmm. and it's been difficult and that's not because God plucked my parents out all of our days are numbered God knows those days but I don't believe God's God's method for everybody is cancer and murder and Mm -hmm. a tragic car accident or a catastrophe or man like we live in a broken sinful world Mm -hmm. because of Genesis chapter Mm 3 and that fall and that brokenness in our world means that cancer exists and those things and any any day I wake up with breath in my lungs is God's grace sure any glimpse of hope, any podcast out there that wants to point me to greater things is an mm-hmm. example of God's grace. You are an example of God's grace. And I thank God for you. Thank you. Well, thank you. There's, there's, something, there's something really, um, really incredible that keeps on kind of popping into my mind as you're talking. And it's actually uh, the, 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 the scene of the three wise men, right? And so we, uh, if, you, if you read in the Gospels and you, you read about, you know, the wise men kind of showing up, it's like, I mean, the, 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 Everything from the genealogy of Jesus all the way to his, like, Mary and Joseph finding him in the temple, right? That all happens within a few pages, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's it's so fast. And so the the scene of the wise men is kind of, it's kind of just haphazardly in there almost, right? It's beautiful, but it's it, there's not like a whole lot of buildup. There's not a whole lot of a backstory. Like, we don't, we don't know a, a whole lot about who these guys are. We know where they're from, um, and we know that it would have taken them uh, a significant amount of time to get to, you know, from where they're literally doing math and, and, and chronicling the heavens, right, to recognizing that something amazing is happening and taking this long journey, you know, months or maybe even years, as some people have, have, have kind of speculated, 
um, but we know that it's a process. And so we think of this word epiphany, right? Which is, that's, that's what that's called. It's the epiphany. And we think of this word epiphany as like this, this one moment. It's, gonna, it's this one moment where Jesus just makes everything clear in my life. Um, I know for me, and, and I know I, I asked that question earlier, was there this watershed moment? And I, I think you answered it very beautifully by kind of saying, well, there's lots of them. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the watershed moment is kind of one long, you know, conversation with God yeah. over this over this lifetime, really. And, and sometimes you're moving forward and sometimes you're moving backwards and sometimes you're moving sideways. And, and sometimes, you know, God is moving you. You're not, you're, you're not doing any of the work. God is just moving you because that's the option that you've given him. Right. And, and so if I could, if I could, could, if I, what I pull from your story and and from your, your attitude, your perspective on the whole thing is that looking at scripture, looking at your life, looking at any of the ways in which God is is telling you his story, right? Because that's what God is doing in your life all the time. He's telling you his story, right? And he's, he's telling you um, about yourself in order to reveal himself and, and, and vice versa. So so if there's anyone out there kind of struggling with, you know, I, I just want God to answer this question. I just want God to, sure. to, to show me his face. I just want God to give me a sign, right? Um, in scripture, when Jesus den- denies signs, it's not because necessarily he's mad at people. I think it's because he wants people to take a step back and look around sure. at everything that God already is in yeah. their life, right? Like all the space he's already taking up yeah. around them, all the things that he's already doing in and, and through their lives. And so to look at your life as a, as a process, to look at your life totally as a transformation, as opposed to one moment, right? Yeah. As a transformation to look at your life and say, Hey, from the time this adversity started when I was seven years old or, or nine years old, to now is one big long turn towards grace. It's one big yeah. movement towards grace. That to me is is proof, uh, and and then not just in your life, but in the example of, of so many other lives, right? That's Saint Paul, the three wise men, right? Anytime there's a process, that to me is proof of of not only God's providence, but his um, his reign over uh, so many things that you know. It's like there's the stuff that we worry about, the stuff that we want to be in control of, and, and we want that, you know, we want to be kind of on top of the mountain, as you as you mentioned earlier. We want to be kind of looking down in control of everything, uh, but there's also so much that we that we don't see, mm-hmm. right? There's so much that we don't, you know, ever even, you know, God he, he counts the hairs on our head, right? And and so so much out of our peripheral. There's so much out of yeah, out out of our perspective, totally, and and to know that God factors that into the process too. Right. To know that, you know, and, and for God, this is a small thing, but to know that our three stories were going to intersect in order to tell more people about God. Absolutely. Right. That's so much bigger than my, I mean, my brain can't, I feel like I'm a pretty smart guy. My brain can't wrap itself around that. Like I just, I just can't really fathom that. And so, um, I would really encourage a lot of our listeners, you know, when you're looking at these stories in scripture, when you, when you all of a sudden, um, you know, St. Saint Paul gets knocked off his horse and there's this vision of Jesus. And, and it seems like St. Paul just like puts on a cape and he's got it all figured out. He had to, he had to unpack that story. There was some he had to unpack that, that moment in his life for a long time, right? There was some struggle there and some work there and some real passion there. And Jesus had to carry him. Jesus carried him through his entire ministry, right? It wasn't, it wasn't just that, okay, well, you know, Eric figured his life out. No, no, that's, that's not how it works. You know, like, like, and, and so to, to, 
you know, for, I, I think for a lot of our listeners, or at least, you know, a lot of the people that we're really encouraging here, um, give yourself an opportunity to, to lean into the process, yeah. give yourself an opportunity to let God, that, that, that metanoia process that, mm, you know, turning change heart, yeah, yeah. Cha- that change of heart, it, it, it takes a lifetime. Yeah. It really, really does. And, and it's such, such a, such a beautiful thing that you've shared with us. I really, really appreciate you kind of yeah. pulling all that apart for us. Thank you. Of course. Well, yeah. and even hearing you tease that out, I had to, I'm not the greatest Bible scholar. I had to pull this up in my concordance. I don't want to just drop this and be like, that reminded me of the middle of Isaiah, but um, there's a, there's a, what seems like kind of a throwaway line in the middle of Isaiah 64, but now, Oh Lord, you are the father. We are the clay and you are the potter. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. That word pick that picture that pops into my mind of what starts off as nothing, a, a, a wet ball of dirt mm-hmm. with a lot of intentionality can become something really beautiful. But I even think like, and some parts you may look at that process and think it's going to be a bowl. The potter knows all along I'm making a vase, mm-hmm. but for a while it looks like a bowl. So if your heart is set on your narrative looking like I'm going to become a vase, mm-hmm. but for a long time it looks like a bowl, it's easy to get defeated in that mm-hmm. process and go, well, it, it doesn't look like it's supposed to look. It's never going to happen. And, and oh man, like now all of a sudden, like there was too much moisture here mm-hmm. and I've gotten wonky. That's my, that's my Texas showing up. <laughs> I got wonky on one side mm-hmm. and the potter then is going to potentially collapse that bowl and start over. It's this Mm -hmm. process, Mm -hmm. this long process of like polishing edges and straightening things up. And we see catastrophe very easily and totally understandably Mm -hmm. as in a lot of ways, potentially the absence of God or, or the aggression or wrath of God. Mm -hmm. And while I absolutely believe that our God is just, and there is, we undersell sometimes Mm -hmm. the fact that he is just, and he has to respond to sin a certain way, that same God and only God could do this. Eric could never pull off just and grace. Mm -hmm. I could never, ever pull Mm -hmm. that. I'm either one or the other. You Mm -hmm. rare, you will never get both out of me. Only God only God could look at your mm-hmm. injustice. His word tells us that we were, while we were his enemy, mm-hmm. that he, he is a friend of the sinner, mm-hmm. the adverse, the, the adversary against him, that he wants to pull us in closer and be in a more intimate relationship. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, Who does that, that? is insanity, yeah. but he has to handle sin a certain way and he has to handle. So it is painful at times mm-hmm. in the way a parent parents, their kid disciplines, their kid. It's, Asa, you cannot do that. You will hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. I tell my son all the time, like you can't walk on the back of the couch, right? <laughs> like you will fall and you will hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. At what point do I stop pulling him down? And to the extent that he's not going right. to cause something horrible, let him fall. Mm-hmm. That's, that might be the most loving thing I could do. Yeah. That's hard. It is miserable. I mean, you see it yeah. in a completely different season of parenthood yeah. than I'm in where your, 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 your kids not making any assumptions about mm-hmm. any of them, their problems are a lot more extensive and maybe greater and it's have just different when they're is, older, right? Exactly. Sure. More but you waiting. love them enough to, I'm never going to take my hands off of you. Mm-hmm. That's not helicopter parenting. That's love. Yeah. I'm never going to take mm-hmm. my hands off of you the same way the potter's never going to take his hands off the clay or God's never going to take his hands off of me. Mm-hmm. Even when I don't want it. I love the, the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. God's word says, even while he was a long way off, the father saw him, had compassion and ran to, ran him. to him. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
while he was, I had like the picture, if, mm. if, for my, if my students heard me say this, they would roll their eyes. Cause I say this all <laughs> the time, but the picture I have in my head is, and this is obviously not biblically accurate, <laughs> but I picture like an old plantation home. Right. And he's just got fields and fields and fields Miles. of, yeah. of, of, of Good his travel. line of sight to mm-hmm. the, to the horizon. And it's almost as if the moment that speck comes over the horizon, he goes, his heart starts mm-hmm. racing that's my boy his... and I am yeah. going to go get my son. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do to keep me from my son. I have a friend who says um, he works with um, inner city youth and works in schools and does some crazy. You know the Carters, Joe Carter? He is like easily the greatest human being to ever walk the face of the earth. He's awesome. (laughs) But he has this phrase that he tells his kids, these kids that are unlovable by all accounts, Mm -hmm. criminals raised by criminals Mm -hmm. in a lineage and legacy of criminal behavior. He tells them, hey, man, I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you can stop trying to prove to yourself that I don't love you because I do. And you're not going to be able to change it. And when he dro- he told me that, my <laughs> like literal blow, mind blow, yeah. right? Like, that's the father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine that child hearing that. Like when they're, it's just, I feel like it could be easy to rest in I'm unlovable. Absolutely. And what does that mean for me to have to change, you know, my perspective on life knowing that I am? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if just to one person. So, so, I mean, giving or receiving, like the, the example of Christ is that love is not comfortable, right? Love is not, is not something that, that, um, that does not complicate things, right? Love is complicated and, and, and praise God for that because in that, um, in that, that sort of nuanced approach of love, like what God is, what love is, that's, that's where we find our identity. That's, that's where we, we can kind of, you know, rest in the fact that, Hey, you know, God made me different and he made me different for for this reason, he made me me for this reason, right? And 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 nine, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the reason is because he he wanted me that way, and because mm-hmm. he loves me that way, right? And so, I think for 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 people like you're like you're saying that don't always they don't always experience love in that um, uh, in that unconditional way, or or in that in that way that 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 starts out from the from the from the viewpoint that they're good enough. Right. Mm, you're, you're worthy of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think that's a really radical thing. You know, that's a really radical thing. And even I'm, I'm aware of the love of God. I know that God loves me, uh, you know, so, but, but I have a lot of days where I know it in my head, but I don't know it in my heart. Right. Or, or I, I know it maybe on paper, I can read it in scripture, but I don't know it in necessarily, or I don't let myself know it in the people that I meet every day or the, the, you know, in my family or, or whatever. And so keeping that forefront in your mind that, you know, God, God loves you and mm-hmm. there is nothing you can do about it. And, and you might as well, you know, even, even if you're going to go kicking and screaming into that reality, first of all, you're not the first one. That's not a novel concept. Right. right? And then, and then beyond that, that's kind of what God expects. That's kind of what God, his love is so powerful that he's like, yeah, I, I know that my love is so radical that it's going to make you really uncomfortable. It's going to make you yeah. squirm. And that's, you know, that is a, that is a really beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. It's mysterious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, can I ask you a question? Sure. Cause as we just tease out this idea, a lot of how I have formed my understanding of God as a father comes from my own relationship with my dad. So not having him around dramatically has impacted my feeling like I have to prove myself to God. Mm-hmm. The question I struggled with my entire life, my entire life, I've wondered, would my dad be proud? Mm-hmm. That's the question. I, I mean, I would keep me up at night, right? Like still to this day, if I get in my feels, that's where my head goes. 
How has your relationship with your dad impacted your understanding and relationship with the father? Mm. You want to go Wanna first? Go? Yeah. yeah. Go um, um, dramatically so. And at the same time, I feel like um, I, I can't rest in that because my dad is human, right? Sure, so I, I know that not everybody has um, um, a good relationship with their dad. So it's hard to say that this is the be all end all. For me personally, though, yeah, my dad is just an unconditional um, lover of people and, um, he does the quintessential thing that God does for me. And that is he shows up Praise God. and he always, um, he believes in me in a way that, um, I wouldn't say few people can, but in this, um, extraordinary way, Praise God. you know, when I would dream out loud dreams for my life, he would tell me, whatever you dream you can accomplish yeah. and my dad you know for for my any family that's listening and anybody who knows my dad he's kind of like the i hope i hope you understand this reference but the ef hutton like he doesn't talk a lot but when he talks you listen yeah. because there's lots of wisdom there so for him to say to to choose words that would bring life to my dreams and things that make me the best version of me or, or who god created me to be um have been yeah foundational um yeah. Um, very meaningful in, in how I see God. And I'm aware that that is um, a kindness that God has bestowed on me mm. to give me a loving earthly father who could yeah. breathe that into me. I love that. So, um, and thank you, Nikki. That's You're awesome. Um, so my dad, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of start with a little bit of his backstory. So my dad grew up uh, in the Rio Grande Valley, grew up um, certainly by today's standards grew up fairly poor. Their, their family didn't, uh, didn't, you know, they didn't really want for anything. Um, luckily he had a very stable, like my grandparents were just amazing people. He had a very stable family. Um, but you know, if you, if you kind of go back and you look at their neighborhood and the kids that they played with, they were kind of the only people that made it out of that neighborhood and only people Mm -hmm. that went to college and, and, you know, accomplished things, quote unquote, um, of any real like substance sort of beyond their, their life. And, um, but my dad was, uh, his Hispanic. He was, he, he had a boss that, you know, told him that the company that he worked for Dow chemical, uh, as a, as a, um, a chemical researcher for, for almost 40 years. And, and the, the person that hired him, you know, told him we're hiring you to fill a quota, mm. you know, essentially like that, wow. that was kind of it. Right. And so he, he experienced, uh, you know, some racism in his life, some different things in his life. He was also, uh, only five foot three and you're, you're a tall individual. So that if, yeah. if you can imagine, I came out of the womb. <laughs> over five foot three, yeah. Um, so, so, and then, uh, my dad also had a, has a very significant stutter. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, he was, I think met with some, uh, some, some difficulty, some different obstacles, um, in his life that he, I don't think he was really aware of until he was already sort of like working through them or, or kind of working past them. And it taught him that, um, he's, he's capable of anything, right? Mm. It, it taught, taught him kind of the power of, of seeing his own potential of seeing the potential in other people. Um, and he, he passed that on to me more than any other lesson. Mm. I mean, he, 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 when we, when, even when he and I talk about God, which we did extensively, he, he passed on his faith to me very, uh, you know, very much so. But even when we talk about, about God, he was always, um, very, very, uh, intentional about 
kind of letting, letting me know that, um, anything that I, anything that I, uh, like a lot, like, like your dad, Nikki, like anything that I dreamed I could accomplish. And then not only that, the, the dreams that God has for me are even, are even bigger. Right. And they're even more, um, you know, more substantial and more, more powerful in my life. And so to, to really kind of lean into that and to not let anybody, um, take that from you, you know, whatever that might look like, whether it's adversity or, you know, listening to other people's opinions or, or whatever. Um, that was really his, his main contribution, you know, to, 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 to me in my life. And, 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 you know, in, in instilling like a, like a work, a work ethic, you want your kids to work hard and be smart and be kind and all of those different things, but also in just, in just, you know, working on being my own person, right? Like, and, and understanding who I am and, 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 kind of leaning into that. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I ask, forgive me for maybe driving the conversation, it's okay. I'm overstepping my boundaries, but no. the reason I ask is it, my, my experience in ministry, almost a decade in, in ministry, both with young people and adults, families included is it seems like if your dad is aloof or disinterested, or you grew up in a house, which especially being in kind of a conservative community, like a lot of our young people grow up in homes where to gain dad's a workaholic dad is it's achievement based. Dad's affection Mm. can be oftentimes I see that, that filter in a lot of cases, God put that filter, people put that filter on God Mm -hmm. of, and again, I did it. I, Mm. I spent so much of my life and still, man, it shows up in ugly ways of, if I, if I prayed more, if I read more, mm. if I worshiped better, sure. if, God. if I was more patient, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. it might be, then maybe God would love me more. I mean, to the extent that like, I remember, I'm trying to think of th- that may be too personal. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I, sh- I tend <laughs> no, to share, I, no. I tend to share way too much, but I have, uh, let me put it this way. I have uh, I have an autoimmune disease called psoriasis, right? You hear that people hear psoriasis, they think skin, but it's actually an autoimmune disease. It, it manifests itself in white, scaly, itchy, puffy, irritated skin on my, my knees, my elbows, on my abdomen, all over my scalp. I've got it in a lot of places. We'll just leave it at that. I genuinely believed for a long time because of my, my human experience, mm-hmm. I thought God gave me that as wrath for my sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you could not have wow. convinced me otherwise for a good portion of my life. And the reason I mention that is just kind of how our conversation has organically mm-hmm. as the Holy Spirit has led our conversation. I feel super pressed to whoever is out there listening that, that thinks about God mm-hmm. through the lens of how they've experienced life with their father, that God is so much greater than that, that God is so, man, I love, and I, Nikki, I love both of your stories about God has, God has blessed you with good men that have painted a really beautiful picture. And, and being that my, my dad loved me, my dad had, my, my grandmother made it very clear. My dad had three things in life that he wanted. And at the top of that list was a son. Like I was literally the best gift my, that God ever gave my dad. Like, and that, so that answers a lot of that. Wouldn't my dad be proud of me stuff? But while I know my dad loved me, I had no way to see it. Mm-hmm. And so I doubted it and questioned it and wondered and have my entire life. And so that's where that, well, if I, if I would have loved God more, maybe this thing wouldn't have happened to me because if I would have loved my dad harder, maybe my dad wouldn't have smoked or drank so much. Wow. And maybe yeah. my dad's heart would have gotten healthier, but he polluted it. And it's such an evil lie, mm-hmm. man. Like know that God's love is so that agape, unconditional, unrelenting, like, man, 
like I will do whatever it takes to show my kids how much I love them. I've heard I've heard the creation story simplified by by saying you are the crown jewel of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Like you are the thing that he loves the most. Mm-hmm. Everything he made was for you, mm-hmm. was, was for your enjoyment was, mm-hmm. and man, that picture, I have to regularly remind myself of that. And I hope people listening can get a glimpse of that idea of just because human beings pollute it. Mm-hmm. You ever been hurt by Christians, James? Sure. You ever Absolutely. been hurt by, yeah. Heck yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. I've been hurt by believing people at ma- many different times in my life. It still happens. Mm-hmm. It's happened recently. And it's like, man, God may, may I never forsake your love because mm-hmm. I see it misrepresented in the world we live in. May I never in the same way that I can imagine a, a, I'm thankfully in my first and only marriage. Um, <laughs> but I can imagine people navigating divorce. How hard would it be to get back in a relationship when the filter that you're looking at life through is how much he hurt me, how much she hurt me. Mm-hmm. Right. What I was lacking there, man, like, and, and, and how many people, uh, you know, they're going through something like divorce or, or someone that's close to them dies. How many people they, they move on in every aspect of their life, uh, you know, with the exception of their relationship with God, right? So they, they, they find that next uh, husband or wife or whatever, and they take, you know, everything into that relationship with the exception of this relationship with God, because God ultimately is the one that brought them, you know, in their mind for, you know, that, that lie they're believing, you know, God, you, you could have been in control of this other thing that hurt me. Uh, and you, and you, you let it fail or you let it collapse or whatever. And so, yeah, for, for, for so many of us that, that, you know, this idea that, um, again, God is kind of this, this puppet master mm-hmm. when in reality he's, he's, you know, he, he is this overwhelming force of love that is, um, is, is really, is really the only thing carrying us through that stuff. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, I, um, what's the, the Jesus in the storm calming this, calming mm-hmm. the storm. Mm-hmm. I love that. We think that the greatest gift of the greatest gift in that story is he can peace Turn be still. Storm. Yeah. They wanted peace. They wanted calm. And he was asleep at the back of the boat. Mm. Like the first example of calm in that story is not Sleeping peace be boat. still. Mm-hmm. He yeah. is, he is knocked out. That yeah. dude didn't have a care in the world. Cause he wasn't worried about the storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wasn't worried. I mean, that perspective, mm-hmm. uh, the worst thing, that you can tell somebody in grief. And I would imagine you two have experienced this and it is the easiest thing to say is it's going to be okay. Mm. God works Mm -hmm. everything together for the good of those who love him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, biblically, absolutely true. Unapologetically, absolutely true. What I hear in that moment is you just told me my situation is good Mm -hmm. and it's not. Mm Mm-hmm. My mom and dad Storm's have been dead for there. 20, my dad, 27, yep. my mom, 25 years. You, they, it is not good. Mm-hmm. It has not magically overnight become good. It still is a storm, but he's still sleeping, in but he's bed. there mm-hmm. and he will never leave nor forsake you. God's word is clear and true on that. He, he puts the lonely in families. Like he is so faithful to address and be with us in those moments. Like, man, it's one of my greatest kind of frustrations is it. And again, it's, I mean, I get it. It's so easy to go, James, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know what? It, it, it isn't, and that's it okay. It might not, mm-hmm. yep. It's okay. <laughs> what it, I, t- I tell people this all the time. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Like there is, uh, I hate this phrase, 
everything happens for a reason. While generally speaking, sure, I get the intention. I understand where you're coming from. Let me challenge you to think of it a different way. God doesn't waste anything. Mm -hmm. That every single thing that we navigate, Mm -hmm. the purpose of God was not that that horrible thing would happen. The purpose of God is that 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 junk, you know, he makes beauty out of ashes. Mm -hmm. Like that, that mess that he is, he can do so much more with the rubble left the junk left behind Mm -hmm. than we could have ever done with the good thing that it was before. Does it still hurt that that good thing is gone, that my parents are gone, that my grandparents are gone, that my sons will never know my, I, I mean, there's rarely a day that goes by that I don't grieve a little bit of that, but my sons have a different version of their dad because of it. And my sons have an incredible grandmother and grandfather in the form of my in-laws. My sons have aunts and uncles because of the woman that God brought into my life. Like, I don't have siblings. Like, mm. left to my own devices, I don't bring a lot to the table. Like, sure. we are not that impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes the body mm-hmm. to what makes this podcast so beautiful is that we can get together in different pockets, different flavors, if you mm, will, yeah, of ice cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can come together and go, man, like, how critically important is the ear if the eye wanted to be the ear, we would be blind. Mm -hmm. Praise God that the eye sees, that the ear hears. The one that always fascinates me is the significance of the thumb or the big toe. Like, you know how little balance you have if you lose your big toe? You ever stub your big toe and you can't really put pressure on it? Like, Mm -hmm. you're a strong gust of wind away from (laughs) being flat on your back, right? How hard would it be to grab my coffee if I didn't have a a thumb, right? Like Nikki would find a way. (laughs) She would invent something for drinking coffee. But you know, like that's awesome. Just IV me, doctor, doctor, coffee man. But we, man, how beautiful a picture of the body of Christ that God didn't just. He didn't just create all these beautiful things for our enjoyment. He didn't just send us Jesus to, to give us life. John 10 says, 10, 10 says that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus says, came that, came that you might have life and life abundant. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just air in your lungs, yeah. but, but fruit and hope and prosperity and, and, and joy and patience and peace. Like He's an extravagant guy. Man, how loving is yeah. he? But it's so easy to lose sight of that stuff. It is. When you, it's, what's the phrase? You lose sight of the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All I see is what's right in front of me. And of course you do. Because it's blindingly yeah. obvious. But man, praise God for perspective. Praise God for people in, in our, your life. In your life. You exactly. In yeah. So man, like I think one of my favorite stories is the, the men who dug through the roof of a building to lower their paralyzed yeah. friend to Jesus. Mm-hmm. We will do literally whatever. You can't get uh-huh. yourself there. Then man, I'm, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you. Yeah. you. Yeah. Man, yeah. like, yeah. let me encourage somebody, like, love someone enough to, without relent, uh-huh. chase after them and fight for them. There's there's such a such a profound thing that happens when, and I'm sure you've, you've noticed this working with teenagers, when you encourage them to serve one another, when you encourage them to, you know, to go serve strangers, we have, we, we go on a mission trip every summer and just kind of seeing the fruit of that, that piece of that transformation that we were talking about where they, they kind of realize, you know, um, and, and maybe in, in a, one of those, you know, one of those smaller watershed moments, right. Um, they realize it's not all about me and how much pressure comes off of their hearts, comes off of their souls when they, when they recognize like, like, God is calling me not only to this life with him and, and yeah, he wants me to do things the right way. He wants me to make good decisions. He wants me to, to follow the rules, all these things because he loves me, 
But he also wants me to go out there and do some really incredible stuff in his name. Mm-hmm. He wants me to go out there and be this this force for good in the world. And that, you know, when we when we when we not only kind of feel that love of God, that protection of God the Father, but we also feel that empowerment, right? That maybe that image of God the Father that's like like helping us take the training wheels off, yeah. right? And 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 helping us kind of move into that that next um, uh, phase of our discipleship or phase of our vocation. Then it then it like the 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 substance of our faith, the substance of this relationship with God, all of a sudden has this this whole new meaning, yeah. right? And and so when we and and that unlocks being able to see God in other people, being able to talk about God, being able to say like, mm. God, I'm you know I'm. I'm going to be youth minister and I'm going to be cheesy. And I'm going to go up to this kid that has never had anybody tell him that he loves him ever in his whole life. And I'm going to say, Hey man, I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. And I'm going to feel great about that because (laughs) God is empowering me to feel great about that. Right. That that's just such a, um, such a beautiful thing that our, that our God does for us when we say yes, like there's just all this other stuff that just kind of falls off. It's really, it's really, really cool. Um, we have taken up way too much of your time. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time. This Mm -hmm. has been, uh, you said that you, you steered the podcast and you did any time that you want to come back and steer it again, <laughs> please I do. I feel like there's definitely more content that we can, um, for sure. tease out if you will. Yes. And I and like that. Ter- yeah. I, I like it. I like it. And I, I needed to hear a lot of things that you said today. Well, I, I will affirm that, uh, right now here sitting in front of you. There's a lot of stuff that I was like, Nikki and uh, I were talking, we were getting coffee and just, you know, kind of stuff, life stuff. Right. And um, I needed to hear your message, and so I appreciate it's like that. Eric and is here for you. Exactly. And I <laughs> praise God for that very much. Um, we want to. Uh, I'm going to let my friend Nikki um, pray us out. Pray Thanks, over Steve. you. Pray for Thank your you. ministry. Yeah. Mm. If that would be. If that would be. Make good. it a good one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> I'm going to do my best, and I begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful today for this time together, and thankful for your Son Eric. Lord, we thank you for being present in his life through all the people who have guided and steered him and just allowed him to um, shift a perspective and change the lens from which he was um, viewing all the things that all these human experiences that have hurt him and that have caused him some despair and hope and lack of hope in times of his life when he's young. Lord, we we just... um, We give you thanks and gratitude that through the ashes, you make things new. Um, We thank you for your humble servant. And um, we offer all of the petitions on his heart and the things that um, present obstacles in his ministry and in his life. And we ask for you to just kind of tie those up and, and to take care of those things for him, Lord. And we ask all these things through your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Ragamuffins. I don't think we've called anybody a Ragamuffin in a while. Ragamuffin! I, we, I haven't said that in a couple episodes. Yeah. Need to get back on it. Yeah. So, we thank you very much, Ragamuffins. <laughs> we will uh, we will talk at you later. Talk at you later. Talk at you next time. And um, uh, we'll, we'll be certain to... Uh, do you have like a like a website? Is there a place where people oh can go and I'm and, not that I'm not and that learn, big of a deal. Learn learn more about or learn yeah. more about your ministry, your yeah, parent your your church. Is that, yeah, is that so I'm I'm on staff at Vertical Chapel in Kyle, Texas. Okay. Um yeah, I don't have I mean I'm not even active really on social media. I have accounts, but I don't 
We'll we'll make you a we'll a make movie. a fake one for yeah. you. Would you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'll be I great. can only imagine. It'll be Will great. we do that? Oh, that sure. will be fun. Oh, that'll sure. be so much fun. I'll let I'll let you do that. <laughs> <Definitely. laughs> That's your project for the um, afternoon. But yeah, we'd love to point people towards your towards your church and, sure. and you know towards the the various ministries. If you're uh, a student at Hayes High School, yeah. uh, or Johnson you, High School, or Johnson Layman, High School, yeah. Layman High School, Layman. yeah. yeah. I mean, any oh, any uh, if you're in Hayes County and just need encouragement, there's a lot of great churches. I would love for ours to be considered, but if you just want a cup of coffee and a conversation, that's about the only thing I'm really good at. So. You know what, Eric? I love that. <laughs> that's, I love that's that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I have that's, to say, in life, mm-hmm. and those are probably my two favorite things. Well, add Jesus and in there. Coffee, sure. people, Jesus. Yeah. That's all and that's where and that's where a lot of ministry fails, right? Is that is that personal mm-hmm. uh, personal touch? Well, so not, we can, we, there's another podcast episode for here. sure. I'll keep for it sure. to myself for this one. <laughs> Cliffhanger for yeah. this. So. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, uh, all right. Th- thank you so yeah, much for your time. You guys. And, thank you. And bless you as well. And uh, we'll talk to everybody last next time. Next time. I almost said last time. We can't do that. Oh yeah. Ouch. Yeah. I'll be <laughs> going backwards in time. Peace. Peace. The Late to Church podcast is an AMET creative production and is hosted by James Longoria and Nikki Moncada. Our theme music is Candle in the Shadows by the Poor Kings. Check them out on Spotify or wherever you download music. Incidental music is by Punch Deck. Find us on Instagram at Late to Church Podcast and let us know your questions, comments, and thoughts by contacting Late to Church Podcast at gmail.com. Your insights might even be featured on the show. Just a little reminder. You are good. You are worthy. You are the beloved. Look around for the Lord today. He loves you and he wants an encounter with you. Thank you for journeying with us. We're praying for you. Peace. Do you ever get that feeling, um, especially when your teens are in the room, you're like, what's the thing that I, that I should or maybe shouldn't say because a particular teen Oh. Is there, oh and, so, and then Absolutely. you're like, you're like, I, Paralyzed I, sh- I should that. have written this down. And then you're like, <laughs> but then, but then it's like a script and it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel natural. You know, it doesn't feel like it's really coming from a place of, of, um, I don't know, spontaneity, Absolutely. kind of letting the spirit work. And it's this, it can, it's <laughs> yeah. this huge, you, you jump into this huge loop of like, okay, now I'm not, now I'm just thinking sure. about this. I'm just like irrationally <laughs> yeah. freaking out in my head and everybody else is well, lo- watching me, you know? And I, for me, oftentimes where that manifests is like, you've been in the room when someone's teaching and it feels like they're reading your mail. Like it feels mm. like they're talking to you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I've been in the moment where I'm teaching and my intention is not to point out Nikki, but I start to realize <laughs> as I'm sharing, like, oh, she thinks I'm talking about her <laughs> because we just had a conversation two hours ago that where this was a focal point. And I'm like, 
oh man, like <laughs> I don't want her to think that I'm calling her out. Oh, yeah, and so yeah, now yeah. I'm like, and, I, and this is like in real in time, right? I'm like, yeah. okay, well now I'm going to reference James. Hey, <laughs> man, James, remember that thing we were talking about? And like trying to not. You really have to be on your toes. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a mess. That's why I'm, I am, I'm on the record saying I am good enough at preaching and teaching that it's not my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. It wears me out. Mm-hmm. I'm good enough at it that, that I can, I can do it. I can do it a lot and I can do it. This sounds as humbly as you can hear this. I can do it at a high level, mm-hmm. but like by no means am I the best. So I hope you know what I mean when mm-hmm. I say that, but my bread and butter is like, let's go get a cup of coffee and just sit and talk about life. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I want to, I want to grow in my gift of, I think what God's word says about prophecy and what the world believes about prophecy, that it's this like fortune telly, super spiritual thing. And sure, there might be elements of that, but like the gift that I believe God's put in me when it comes to prophetic things or like seeing things in people and going, you don't even realize you have this yet, but God has given you Mm. this gift. And man, he wants to tease that out of you and like know that that also is a space where the enemy wants to attack you. And mm-hmm. so you've got a gift of leadership. Well, mm-hmm. the enemy wants to make you insecure yeah. Guard that and, 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 and yeah. kill your integrity. Sure. You know what I mean? And sure. so to be able to like see things in people before they notice it and use scripture to call it out and, and empower it and, and give it life, mm-hmm. man, that like makes me come alive. And that's the thing that like, if you were to ask me, Eric, what... What can you do for the body of Christ? Like, what has God given you that, I mean, other people have that same gift, but you know what I mean? What makes yeah. you unique? It's that. It's mm-hmm. not my ability to teach because it is. I'm like, you I'm ADD. I'm ADD and I'm, I'm all over the place.